0: This week on The Futurists, Imogen Heap.
1: I just love the idea that this thing, this thing, my voice, so personal to me, has an opportunity to go and exist with other people's thoughts and ideas.
0: Well, hello and welcome back to The the Futurists. I'm Rob Tursick and this week my co-host is Katie King, Miss Metaverse, joining me. Hi, Katie.
2: Oh hey, welcome back.
0: <laughs> Good to see you again. Yeah, and I'm seeing a lot of you this week in your pink, your pink palace there. Um yes. so, so we have been um we've had frankly too many uh too many techie nerds on the show, too many guys. And too many. Uh, It's been a mission I'm buying to try to diversify as much as possible. I bumped into somebody perfect at an event in Los Angeles a month ago where we were talking about the future of artificial intelligence and creative art. And um, and, and over the course of the conversation, I, said, I got so excited. I was like, you've got to be on the show. Our guest today is a, a multi-Grammy award-winning musician. She's also a technologist who's done pioneering things with blockchain and haptics and other kinds of technologies. We'll be talking about that and artificial intelligence because you can't get away from it. So let's give a big welcome to Imogen Heap.
2: Hi. Hi,
0: good to see you. Hi.
2: Thanks see for making you time.
0: I know, you, I know you've I know you been really busy making music and uh, we're thrilled yeah. to talk to you today. Where are you right now? Are you in the UK? Are you in London?
1: I'm in Hackney,
0: London, where I live with my daughter. Right on, cool. Yeah. Nice. Good to see you. <laughs> and um, what's keeping you busy these days?
1: Uh, well, some I can talk about, some I can't. But um, one of the, the one of the fun ones actually is I just uh, I'm writing a song with uh, a bunch of school friends of scouts uh, because the school doesn't really offer much music. In fact, doesn't offer any music. It's a, like a local primary state primary school. Um, so I've got like a bunch of eight to twelve year olds, and we were meant to be doing a choir, but um, I'm like, Do you know what? We haven't got enough time to learn these songs, and it's kind of boring just learning songs. Why don't we make a song? um so we're making a song and it's so good i absolutely love it um oh, one of my best like selling songs ever selling songs or best streaming songs um is a song called the happy song and the that happy was song, the last yes
0: the yes happy
1: song. um makes babies happy around the world and parents under two i mean not the parents the uh the child obviously um anyway so that was the last song i wrote with my daughter and this is the second song and now she's eight so i'm feeling like it's you know maybe the next one she'll be 14 and who knows um but it's really great it's called the History.
0: Sandwiches. I'm excited about it. That's very cool. So yeah, that's a that's a feature of your of your uh, your performance history or your, your recording history is that you've made songs for social causes. You've made songs for local groups, uh, you know, and inspired by your own life. Tell us a little bit about what inspires you.
2: Um,
1: I guess I am quite easily distracted. So if something grabs my attention, then that's what's going to happen. A song's going to happen. A piece of technology is going to happen. My attention is like grabbed and lit and then there's nothing can stop me. Um, and even if I've got a million other things going on, I'm like, oh no, this thing. And then off I go. And my team are like, wait a minute. OK, we're going this way now. Um, so for me, yeah, it's it's it could be place and time or a person or a new technology, um, or something somebody said, or it can be really anything. Um, But this time it was, the school needs some music, Um, the kids are like sat learning things that are quite rigid, and I just wanted to like invite some creativity and spontaneity and kind of like let loose and go crazy. So we're kind of exploring with sound painting, um, which is a a kind of improvised uh, mode of... uh, you actually use it with orchestras, um, but I've never done it before. But I just thought I quickly looked it up like about 10 minutes before my first lesson. And I was like, this looks good. I'll do this. And I quickly learned some gestures. Um, and we basically, yeah, kind of create music on the fly um, with these 24 kids. And it's super fun.
0: Very spontaneous. Um, so, yes.
2: Yes. <laughs> you know, actually, I remember back in 2014, I believe it was, when you were making the Mimu gloves for uh, the wearable tech gloves. Yeah, that was such an awesome project. How is wearable tech impacting the way that artists create music? And what did you learn from making the Mimu gloves?
1: Yeah, well, sadly, it's not uh, impacting us so much. Um, It would be great if it was impacting us a bit more, like it was a bit more prevalent, a bit more off the shelf, a bit cheaper. Um, You know, still we're kind of in this, you know, zeros and ones and kind of on and off and up and down space this kind of machine space but you know the more we kind of use ir cameras and heat sensing cameras and you know ar technology then we will be able to use our hands more um and less of the typing um because you know it 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 should just be like text just in text um Kind of, you know, what do you call uh, actions like text actions? um, Like, make me a thing, Uh, do this, copy this over here. But equally, you could just like, you know, make a copy and a paste action. So I'm just like closing my fist and opening my hand. So when it comes to music, um, I'm doing the same. I'm like, it feels natural to like grab my voice, like I've just caught it in midair and I hold it for as long as I need to record it and then I release my hand to open hand. So I'll be doing the same thing as like you would on a sampler where you just record uh, and like. End the record um but because you're like in the flow of performance it doesn't you don't disengage with the audience you're just kind of doing it on the fly and the, you know we have these amazing bodies and they can do really amazing things um and we're like quite very limited just hunched over our computers and our like control surfaces so it's just about like humanizing the technology that we use and being able to kind of live live within it or like mm-hmm. it come closer to us um And so, yeah, we we hope that we're in some way, you know, moving forward um, this, this way that we interact with tech in a small way, Um, you know, maybe there'll be some kind of gestural global language that
0: will emerge. um, Do you use that kind of technology more in um, when you're composing music or when you're recording in a studio or when you're performing live? Like where, where would that be most useful for you? That kind of embodied music creation?
1: Um, I suppose the the most way I've used it mainly is in performance, but as I've had a bit more time and I've kind of taken on a bit more team people to uh, do things for me when I'm doing other things, I could be like going doing a song down there. When I've got like thing I need to do with a song that somebody else could do, then I'd be like, okay, you do this thing and time this thing over here, and I'm going to go upstairs and fool around with the live set. Um, but actually. More and more, I'm trying to create a kind of massive session that allows me to pull in and out things that I need. Um, So it could be a sampler, it could be a drum machine, um, it could be a certain reverb with an effect at the end of it. So I'm kind of creating these clusters of effects and musical instruments that I can pull in at any moment uh, to create music from. Because actually one of the things I did recently uh, was with this amazing choreographer in LA called Jacob Jonas, and he got in touch with me over lockdown and he said that um you know would I like to collaborate with him and I don't usually read all the messages but for some reason I did look at this one and I and I saw how amazing he was and I was like oh I would love to work with you but when the time came of course I'm I'm never prepared for anything um I'm always very last minute and I, I just can't prepare so I'm always like in the moment in the fluster so I'm trying to develop things uh that I can just literally rock up open up my magic box of tricks and off I go um and so the gloves are really helpful for that so what I did with Jacob was you know he had um three dancers that he was working with uh, on a piece and I live improvised with my voice and just a piano and uh, kind of conjured some some music while they were dancing and at the time I thought oh it's not very good and I was a bit kind of marred with tech problems at the time but actually when I came home and I listened back to it I was like actually this is really good and i would never have done that if i'd like sat down with a keyboard and done some stuff it was just it really had something special so i'm quite excited you know in this you mean you mean the live
0: performance the the dancers uh that gave you a kind of spontaneity
1: Yeah, because they were moving, and I was reacting with with sound, with like vocal effects, with uh, melodies that were just coming out. Sometimes, kind of guttural like sounds that were just like through big long reverbs, and then tuned down and reversed, and just whatever felt right in the moment. And at the time, I felt like, oh, this isn't very good because I was being too, you know, thinking too much about it. But actually, when I came back and I listened to it, I was like, this is something really great. Like I've never written anything like this. This is amazing. So now I'm trying to create a sound a system a live performance system and a kind of live creation system um so that i can be that in the moment because especially in light of you know music just about to just become even more like background music as ai generative uh, works just like flood system um so i think more than ever that that live uh that, that live interaction with someone that they're really in the room making something with you right there and you can see it you can feel it is really something special so i think you're right about that that. Mm -hmm.
0: and clearly for the music industry live you know live performances and festivals have become kind of the the leading thing the leading way to engage people and for people to discover artists Uh, how important is live for your own career right now
1: um well (laughs) it's more about it wasn't so much about live actually it's more about just composing in the moment with people so you're yeah. not in a studio because you could be generating stuff, whatever. It's just like literally the kind of pheromones and oh, everyone kind of together bouncing off each other. So, atoms so
0: you mean the into, collaboration yeah. aspect of it uh, yeah, with other the people? Yeah,
1: being in the room. In the flow. And that, yeah, and that kind of manifests all kinds of change that are like cool. kind of subliminal, but they do change the, the course of, of the creative space. Um, but live has, yeah, of course, uh, hugely impacted Uh, impacted my life and I love that moment of connection with the audience Um, Mm. and yeah I I use it as an experimenting uh, experimenting place um, and often again I kind of turn up quite Uh, are unprepared and I'm often trying out new equipment in front of everyone um, and often messing it up. But as a result, you know, we create this quite robust live uh, gestural music making system now. um, And it was really fun, you know, and lots of things we discovered along the way that um, had we not tested it in a live environment, uh, we wouldn't have been able to build what we built.
0: That's very fearless to test out something brand new in front of an audience.
1: Well, I don't know. I, I feel like I relish off that. Like I almost invite it. Like I know that I have like a talk or something to do and I'm just like, oh, oh still, I've still got all of tomorrow to do it. And then something happens. and like, oh, I've still got all of the night to do it. And then it's like five o'clock in the morning. Oh, but I've still got two hours until I you know really need to get up um and I just literally like push it right up right up and then what's left is like the most condensed important thing hopefully that comes out and then you just like use your wit and charm to kind of get around it hopefully um I mean it doesn't work at something like Ted it goes terribly wrong (laughs) um but you know for most most of the time it's kind of yeah, people just uh, wanna...
0: yeah. Now, as an artist, you've been using technology throughout your career, right? And you're and you're very versatile because you were trained in more classical instruments, things like the clarinet and and uh, the cello. Uh, but now you play a full range of instruments, and you even create your own instruments. Do you consider yourself a creative technologist, or a musician, a recording artist, or a performer, or or is it all three, or is one of those more important than the others?
1: Um. I don't really know. I guess guess in the fullest sense, I consider myself as a recording artist. Mm -hmm. Um, I enjoy the the moment of recording. I enjoy the different processes of recording. I enjoy the different, um, uh, yeah, kind of collaborations and people around me and time and space and country and all kinds of things that kind of go into the recording. Um, And then I really love most, I think, just conjuring in the moment um just being at my most creative and if that can that is often to do with time so the lim- the most limited amount of time um, is when i get my most creative but i also need to be quite stressed most of the time <laughs> um, yeah, under pressure <laughs> under pressure <Yeah>. exactly <laughs> literally nothing would get done if it wasn't for the last minute um it's it's true it's true 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 for me um but yeah i, I can't do anything for too long like at the moment you know developing three different Apps. Um, one is called Thank the DJ, uh, which I've always wanted to create, but I'm actually going to do it now. Um, a little app where I can reach out uh, the minute one of my songs gets played on the radio. Uh, I can call up and thank the uh, the DJ. Um, and you know, if they might how would they might that work? Them, be... Well, um, oh my goodness, sorry. Can you hear that, That's the cat? She's it's on okay. heat, <laughs> and it's horrendous. She's just like it's like someone's trying to kill her. Um, anyway. Palms in um Yeah, the idea is that, so I found this company uh, like a, a, at the very baseline um, where they just are able to um, know what music is being played on 20,000 radio stations around the world. Um, and they get that, you know, within a minute you can know what songs are being played. If you, you know, you have a fingerprint of, of an audio uh, in a song that you have, you have a fingerprint and the, the radio is just like fire out the songs and this, this service recognises the songs. Um, and then they also have uh, Twitter handles and you know sometimes emails of these of these places. So the first stage would literally be just to kind of when you get a song played, um, then you can call them up or you can tweet them and say thank you. But ultimately, the idea would be that radio stations would really. Look forward to and enjoy the idea that um, a musician, a verified person, because we'd be verified by our creative passports, these are digital identity thing that we're creating as well, that you'd be able to call up and go, Hey, I wrote this song in your city and I was doing uh, an exchange with the British Council and I just thought you'd love to know that. Um, so you could like geolocate songs like a relative. Uh, so, for example, Cycle Song was written about a trek across Bhutan um, and Be the Machine uh, was written in Essex, but it's around gestural music where, um, so yeah, all these songs have like different contexts and I just think it'd be really nice to be able to bring that home in the moment to a radio station should they play it. Um, yeah.
0: Really cool. And your fans probably (laughs) dig that as well. Is there a way for the fans to access that?
1: Uh, this is literally just like um a theory at the moment like a, an idea okay. We're actually just for the first time actually i'm going to try and get some uh investment from like a, a normal kind of incubator type investment thing i've never tried that but i'm like so listen up BTS. <laughs> <laughs> should, yeah, I should probably not spend my own money anymore on all these things. Um, so, yeah, I'm doing that literally today. Um, but, yeah, the idea would be that the fans um, could have a kind of... Actually, I found this thing called Garden Radio. It's really fun. Like, you could see all the radio stations in the world and you can, like, hover over them and listen to them, assuming that you're in the catchment area, that they allow you to hear the music. Like, so obviously, if you're in the States, you might not hear the BBC, et um, etc. et cetera. Et cetera. Um, so... Yeah, the idea would be then that maybe the fan could have something like that or we connect to the garden radio and then they can, you know, know when their songs that they like come up and they can thank up the radio stations um, directly or to send a message. Anyway, all kinds of things could happen. Maybe they get, like, tokens uh, if they've called on your behalf to a radio station and thanked them, that maybe they could be, like, get some...
0: Like a rewards program of some some sort, a fan fan loyalty program. Uh, I've always wanted to do that. Well, so this conversation is bouncing around between uh, composing and creating and performing, and you've actually dabbled technologically in just about every aspect of the music business, including distribution. Uh, so for the people who are listening, you know, Imogen's famous as a recording artist, but what a lot of people don't know is that you also created a blockchain distribution system as well. Um, the um,
1: mycelia, it? Network. mycelia. It a distribu- a distribution. it's not really a distribution system um it's a, it's more an idea it's like a i was pregnant well sorry i had just given birth um to my now eight-year-old daughter but at the time she was three months and i was lamenting at the problem of uh having to release a track and all the stuff that you have to do about it knowing that all the stuff that comes back will be problematic and people won't have the right information and I was just like why can't there be like one true verified data set of works where everything the song needs is contained around the song and any service or radio station or somebody getting married wants to put it on their video or whatever it might be they can ask the song the song is a service essentially I was just like if we could reverse the industry so instead of the services like boom. All the muscle and the power, And um, that actually the songs held so much power by themselves, and that they were the service, and the song the, the services could kind of you know find interesting ways to curate that information or deliver it up in nice packages for, for people that want to listen to things. That like you could design your holiday around songs that were written in certain places, perhaps. Um, if if as, if the songs had like interesting contextual information uh beyond, like you know, who wrote it and who produced it, but even that information is very limited and often often not correct or or not even exhibited in any way. Um, So the Mycelia idea was really, I got excited by blockchain um, eight years ago, nearly nine years ago, and just thought there's something in this technology that I feel could deliver this kind of system, this kind of backbone for the music industry with public and private permissions, um, uh, integrating all of the services and we'd have one point of truth um, and we could, uh, you know, really grow something amazing from that. And so I spent a very long time <laughs> trying to convince my great idea, oh, it's not my, only my ideas, other people have thought about things like that. Um, it was just, like, so annoying to me that that wasn't happening. And I can just billion, billions of pounds every year wasted on multiple data sets, being incomplete, and us we're basically having to pay for it by way of our royalties, you know, having to pay for those companies first, and then we get our tiny little royalties after. And it was just infuriating to me. And in my head, it was like, this is really simple. Let's just do this. Everyone's going to be happy. You're going to get loads of money. But then obviously, no, because the whole point (laughs) <laughs> is that the industry thrives off the opacity and the friction um, in, in, in the money that they can't deliver to people because they don't know where to deliver. it, They don't have all the information. Um, so it's no. not in their interest to have uh, something so, that is, that is uh,
0: so useful. Uh, so you and, were really focused on cleaning up the data, the, the metadata around the music. That was really the focal point for that then, in order to streamline yeah, royalties. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really I really to interesting.
1: exhibit um, so we basically did a hack weekend, yeah, eight years ago, uh, where just Ethereum had just launched. Sorry, Ether had just launched. Yeah. Uh, Ethereum was like, I don't know, a few right. months before. And um, this was one of the first things that you could buy with Ether. And it's pretty hard to get Ether at the time. So we only managed to sell 200 copies. Um, so it was 200 pounds, know, 200, it was like one euro a, a, an Ether or something at the time. And I was like making a big fuss about it, so excited that we could distribute monies directly from a smart contract um, whenever the song was downloaded, and it's just like this is just totally normal, like that mp3.com many many years ago two decades ago you could do that you put an mp3 up and and it paid everyone directly and this was before all of the you know collection societies got in the way and tried to be like oh no we must we must do this um and then it got really complicated and now they can't they're buckling in the weight of trillions of lines of data every day um so yeah it was just like here's the thing we Why do we do it? Why don't we make it? Um, well, that was like super then,
0: early in the in the Ethereum era. I mean, even the idea of a distributed app on top of uh, a decentralized app on top of Ethereum was relatively new when you did that. Would you revisit yeah. it today, or would you be interested oh, in I going have, back? There? I
1: have many, many. Many plans. <laughs> um, and I, on the, awesome. Basically, on the back of, I realized that on the back of blockchain, you know, every single musician on the planet for over 100 years of recorded music has lamented at the issue of the music industry, you know, having this top down power. And that right at the bottom, the first people to put in time and effort uh, and, you know, money of their own are the last people, if at all, to get paid. Everybody else gets paid first. And then, if we're lucky, we get some scraps at the end. Um, and it's just been like that forever. But now there's really no excuse. Um, but still, the music industry hasn't progressed. Oh, we've had like great innovation in terms of like immediately being able to distribute a song all around the world within an hour. You know, we can do that. We can do that amazingly well. But we're terrible at the other side. You know, it takes two years for that music, the money,
0: to get back to the musicians. How um, strange! So How, a, what a strange I mean, outcome. Mm, gee, I what wonder why that might be. <laughs> Okay, so Imogen, um, we want to get into this topic with you more, uh, your future plans for blockchain and your future plans for AI and so mm-hmm. forth. But we have to take a little break. Now, before we do that, we like to get to know our guests. And so we have um, a, a thing that we do, which is a lightning round. We're going to ask you a series of questions for short answers. Oh, no. Just okay. give a quick oh, answer and, okay. um, and then we'll take a little break. So are you ready for the lightning oh, round? I hate this. OK,
1: yes, yeah, I feel like a child now. OK, go.
0: What was your first exposure to science fiction or futurism?
1: Uh, science fiction? Oh, I was probably um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy.
0: Right on. Nice, uh, yeah. A classic. And is there a technologist or futurist who inspires you?
2: Hmm.
1: I mean, oh, God, it's probably not very exciting to say. Um, I mean, ugh, whether you love him or you hate him, I mean, Elon Musk, uh, just because... How amazing that one man can like obviously has like amazing people working with him, but just just like go for your dreams, man. I just I just the hyperloop and you know I don't know. Just there's not many people like him. I know it's like don't, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Maybe I can may think of anyone there.
0: Um, <laughs> okay. yeah, I at four
1: So <laughs> um,
0: what yeah. is the most accurate forecast that you've ever heard by anybody? The most accurate prediction or the most accurate forecast?
1: Um, I don't know. When I was told that um I was pregnant and it was gonna be it was gonna pop out in like six months time maybe. <laughs> um um that was that was pretty accurate uh to the day. <laughs> Can I use What that one? what
0: technology has had the biggest impact on humanity and society?
1: Oh wow. Well, I mean maybe it's just because we're right in the middle of it, but I mean it's pretty amazing right now. It's pretty crazy, like what AI is doing even just now everywhere prevalent like just so many people are going to become extremely rich this year and it's just going to shift the power across the planet um, and we have no idea you know what's going to happen I mean Fantastic. it's exhilarating let's- yeah so I, it has to be now I mean, okay oh so
0: let's take a break and we will <laughs> we will come back and explore the topic of AI in just a moment mm-hmm. uh, you're listening to The Futurists, and our guest this week is Imogen Heap hang on just a second we'll be right back after these announcements. Provoke Media is proud to sponsor, produce and support the Futurist podcast. Provoke.fm is a global podcast network and content creation company with the world's leading fintech podcast and radio show, Breaking Banks. And of course, it's spin-off podcasts, Breaking Banks Europe, Breaking Banks Asia Pacific and the Fintech Five. But we also produce the official Finnovate podcast, Tech on Reg, Emerge Everywhere, the podcast of the Financial Health Network and NextGen Banker. For information about all our podcasts, go to Provoke.fm or check out Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show.
2: All right. Welcome back to The Futurists. Today, we are joined by the lovely Imogen Heap, and we're discussing oh. the future of AI and where music is heading. All right. So have you seen how all these artists are now having their art created, recreated with AI, creating new music, new songs? What are your thoughts about that?
1: I mean, I'm not sure really how much is done currently. I mean, there's lots of promise and lots of kind of people scared about how their kind of musical soul is going to be stolen from them and they're going to create much better music uh with these like algorithms um but i think uh i'm not i'm i'm, I'm excited i'm excited that i'll be able to have like I call her AI Mojen, um AI well, Mojin for short, um that, that Mojen and I will be able to collaborate together in the future and jam and like she'll be able to take me to new places uh places that I've never been musically and kind of present um maybe a structure or a a style of music that I've never even tried and then but leave me space to be myself in that and kind of experiment in a in a kind of safe and nice environment um
0: that perhaps like a digital twin.
1: Yeah, like a digital twin, um, but also just so much more. Like I don't want to try and humanise her, even though I can't. I am obviously, because I'm calling her her. Um, but uh, you know, I want I want Mojin to really thrive and be the best that she can be. I don't want to try to bring her too close to me and I want her to help me be the most
0: human I can be. Hey, hang um, on a sec hang together. on a second. Because I think oh, for people oh. listening, we need to explain what Mojin is because I okay. don't know if everybody understands this. So yeah, of course when take a step then, back and when... just tell us about the idea. What is it and 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 what are you working yeah. on with them
1: Okay, so AI motion um, it began uh, four years ago, and basically it was just before lockdown or during, lo- during lockdown lockdowns. Kind of when we started her, uh, um, like publicly. But basically, I like, see over here, or well, you can't see if you're not watching. But there's a there's a chair over there, and it's a, an egg chair, um, and I sit in the chair every week uh, or every other week, every other Tuesday mostly. And my fans chat to me in the chair and it has uh, speakers and a light and a little, um, uh was called tablet um, and a, a piece of software that Justin who's developed it with me uh, has built uh, an interface so that I can record my answers um, for questions that fans ask me and the way that they get in there in the first place is if they can't get an answer from AI Mojin who is like a chatbot at the moment um out of existing questions and answers that I've done then they get to speak to me directly and then with these conversations that we have, um, they then in turn get edited, uh, kind of it goes like speech to text. And then um, the text gets populated in a little um, kind of program that Justin built for me. And then we can go in and edit it and uh, make it nice and succinct and add uh, alternative questions. And then we upload it to uh, the knowledge store for future so the idea is that I never get to answer the same question twice. Mm. Um, I I always I'm always kind of pushed to think differently. And um, so in the future, I would love to think that you know even yourself, uh, Robert, would have to take the test of Mojin. And uh, if you can uh, if you ask me questions that I've never answered before, then you would get to come chat to me in the chair, and then our conversation would equally be able to feed you know, Mojen's, um knowledge. Uh, so that's one side of it is the Q&A knowledge store. And that's something that's been amazing for me. It's almost, I would say it is therapy because it's been this kind of, kind of beautiful space kind of, kind of um, uh, convening of um, uh, with me and my fans in a very... Uh, intimate way where it's just them and I and we're just mm-hmm. like speaking in this space and it's very cozy and nice. And how do they, they get ask to me do very that? How,
0: what's the queuing process? Like how do how do people get in the queue to ask you a question?
1: Um well, that, so they, I have an app because a long time ago I came off kind of Twitter and Instagram and all that. I mean, I loved it in the beginning. It was super fun. Uh, and I like loved sharing my creative process. But then it all got a bit like, oh, shouty. and I can't be bothered with that. Um, yeah. So then I just kind of retreated. Um, but I, then I, I was missing my fans, but I just couldn't speak to them for the noise. Um, so I developed this app. Uh, at, it's, it's called Heapsters. Um, and you can... Wow. uh go and download it and then you can kind of hear all of the music that i've ever made all of the demos that i'm making um and then there's a discord channel uh, for the fans and then there's an app within the um w- within the app uh, a bit within the app which is called ai
0: Imogen, and then you just ask it questions um, oh right on oh yeah. that's cool And they pay oh, subscription. Good. so that's like that's yes. a great way to engage directly with the super fan are a lot of artists doing that now
1: Um, I think most people are using Patreon, Patreon. Um, which is you know it's a really good solution for most people but i didn't like the fact that i couldn't put my music on there um mm-hmm. because basically patreon would have to get permissions from the labels um, yeah. to do that yeah. and it just makes it not possible for them and it's, you know, it's interesting it says, these
0: these 19th century really rules illegal. govern the way we get to use music in the 21st century it seems crazy that these old rules still uh still exist they yeah. haven't been adapted
1: 100%. hopefully not for long hopefully not for long. make.
0: When, when you um, think about artificial yeah. intelligence, do you think of it as uh, as an opportunity to be creative, or do you see it as a way to handle things like marketing and fan interaction efficiently? Or is it like a a, a more efficiency tool for you, um, or something else? Like, it's, how do you perceive it?
1: Um, for Mojen, I feel like in time she will become the kind of main interface with me and anything digital, anything information, anything data, any kind of interactions that would involve you know the data space um the digital domain so if people want to go and find out something about me i expect mojen would be out there and she's the oracle she knows everything about me she's way more she's got great memory she pulls up stuff exactly that you need to know and she speaks to you in my voice but also maybe with slight harmony harmony going on in the background we're kind of developing her voice right now mm. i mean, I'm kind of liking the idea that the songs that I've created would also have their own, what we've talked about, the song as a service, but the song would actually speak to you in my voice, but maybe in the voice of hide and seek with some of the lyrics from hide and seek, Mm -hmm. Um, it kind of into the way that it speaks. Um, So yeah, I think Motion is going to be a presence, uh, kind of a way to help me connect closer. Um, It's not about like speak to the hand at all. It's how to like help you and me get closer together. And when there is a question, um that really needs to be answered um that can't be answered by all the questions that i've answered before um or any of the other things that you might need to know like my calendar or my fees or whatever it might be um then we have that really beautiful time together um and i want to make it easier because at the moment i have to do it on a tuesday because there's lots of humans in the loop here um but ultimately the idea is that you know there's a question there's a new question and I'm like, okay, and they're, they're up on my phone. This is what I'd like, up on my phone. And then when I get a minute, I just go, like, oh, do you know what? I'm going to talk to that person now. I'm going to see if the next person in the line is available right now. And if they're not, then they just, they come, they ask, I ask them first next time. Duh, 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 duh. And then I just go sit in the chair and have a nice
0: chat to them. Um, it sounds like your fan and your interaction with fans is not just a way for you to appeal to fans and and, uh, and help them keep excited or maintain their commitment but it's a way for you to gather information and actually get inspiration,
1: right? Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's totally not like... I mean, I'm really not good at marketing. I'm not... I, I mean, I put out songs and I'm like, I can't be bothered with the marketing. It's just like sneaking out there. I, I just hate it. I really hate adding to the noise of like, what stuff that you should buy and listen to. I just don't like it. I want to help the songs kind of be empowered to find you in interesting ways, um, you know, in the future where kind of all songs are contextualised and they're kind of, there's like a a, sea, there's river of songs of every song. And depending on your mood or depending on something that's just happened in life or a picture that you might have just taken, um, that your own AI kind of assistant person, digital twin thing, um, would know how to find things that you might love, that you just don't know because there's no way for you to find it um it's like it would help you discover things in the world um that you that you would love uh because it knows you so well um so it's trying to I, i would love mojin to help me get the most out of my time on this planet um and at the same time you know connect me more deeply um with the people out there who i know i would love to connect with um and collaborate with and yeah so it's kind of everything. I mean, she'll sing. She'll have a voice. She has a voice actually, um, uh, and, and soon you will hear her voice. Um, and uh, she, I'd love her to, you know, sing with other people, which I'm sure she will, because you'll be able to sing with her voice, my voice, with your voice. I mean, people are obviously already doing it. Grimes is doing it. Holly's doing it. Holly, Holly Hendon. Um, But you know, to try and make it official uh, and kind of uh, easy for people to do that.
2: And and Holly Handen, you know, that you're right. That that was the first project of this kind. And it seems to have kicked off this cascade of uh, these uh, you know, people, indie content creators that want to use AI to make their own songs inspired by the artists themselves. And what's interesting is that Grimes, I think it was last month, I believe, she was urging her fans to go on a website where they could download assets, where mm-hmm. they can create AI versions of songs of her and uh you know I, I think it's kind of a new trend that's sort of kicking off how do you feel about that where your fans being able to access an ai version of you your digital twin to make their own you know image and heap songs yeah great
1: i mean i love it um I, I mean i just love the idea that you know this thing this thing my voice so personal to me Only really says (laughs) what I think, or I think I think. Um, I love the idea that um, my voice. Uh, these cavities, this kind of resonance, has an opportunity to go and exist with other people's thoughts and ideas. Um there, there are many people like producers, for example, Guy Sigsworth. I love him. I mean he was my partner in Free Fru and he writes the most amazing songs. And but he can't sing for Toffee. He could probably hold a like a he could <laughs> hold a melody but he's not got <laughs> a nice voice. Um, but he could sing with my model and he could sing a song you make free-free songs um with my voice oh so would the, it it
0: would, it would repitch and retune uh anybody's voice in your in your in your voice it's No, like a vocal what it does
1: at the moment it's like it's tomba transfer so it's like say hmm. you had a color on your screen and or you had a shape um but you wanted that shape to be a different color so you just turn it into a different color but it's the same shape um so it's the same it's like it's not i'm not there's not a program who like knows language and it's like speaking a different language doesn't know that it's just literally transferring the timbre, the -hmm. the sound, uh, onto somebody else's voice. Um, so all of the artifacts of that person's voice disappear and in comes Mojin, um, or, you know, whoever, whoever's voice. And the reason why I really love it is because even just the other day, um, somebody messaged me on Instagram Uh, Really great, beautiful music. Uh, I can't actually remember his name, but it was an Italian uh, electronic um, artist. I don't want to insult him, I think it's like in his 50s and 60s, maybe. Um, But it was really beautiful music, and I was like, I would love to collaborate with you, but I just don't have the time. I can't even finish one song of my own at the moment. Um, But do you know what? Very soon, you're going to be able to have access to make my voice be on your record without me doing anything. Um, And I would love to hear my voice in your music because I love Mm. your music. So I felt this like amazing freedom that I could suddenly be like collaborate with all of these artists but I'm not actually doing it, but I could even just imagine, it's like try before you buy, or it's like window shopping. I don't know. You're like, wow. You know, I would love Clark or rival consoles to like uh, collaborate with, Um, but maybe they want to try stuff out first, you know.
0: But don't you worry about the loss of control or do you worry about the quality control? You know, uh, for instance, with Grimes, there were thousands of songs that were released and a lot of them weren't very good.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, but the thing is, that is what's going to happen i mean there's just going to be so much rubbish you know out there the the next great thing that we need to do is really develop uh the curation discoverability of music and how to contextualize it and 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 find those those pearls that you're going to love in all the noise i mean it's already hard and it's going to get so much harder
0: because there's Um, a yeah a giant mushroom of generated content that's going to grow yeah huge and so that'll make the discovery problem harder it'll it'll add to the cognitive load that the users have you know the fans because they're gonna have to navigate Mm -hmm. through all that generated stuff Isn't
1: i think it will will be i think it'll be um lots of people have have like really great roles to like curate stuff find stuff and there'll be people who are amazing at that or they'll create you know they'll create tools that do that for you so you could have your own personal you know um music shopper um that would go out and find stuff for you because it knows what you like Uh, So, yeah, I'm not worried about that side of it. I suppose what I, I mean, the best case scenario, wouldn't it be if somebody, you know, like with uh, Jason Derulo, you know, he like sampled a song, a bit of a song of mine. That Lots of people thought that I wrote a song around his bit of the song um, because his song was so massive. It was like number one pretty much everywhere for a long period of time. And it was amazing to me. It was like amazing. Uh, I literally could buy a house as a result of Jason Derulo I would never write a song like that but you know I actually thought when I heard it and he did ask me about a week before he released it um he did ask me and I just thought you know what it's actually really good I mean it's it's not my favorite but it is good it is good um and he'd never released a song before and I just thought well why not you know give it a chance and I often say yes I actually love it when my music um, and my my music kind of pops up in all kinds of different spaces that I would never have, have gone there personally. And as a result, people find me that would never have found me. You know, people from Cloud Rap, um, you know, have heavily sampled my music. Um, yeah. Now know about my music and they come to the shows. So it's cool. And I, I'm excited to see what Mojin's voice gets up to. And maybe if I'm lucky, something really good will happen. And, you know, it'll free me up to do the projects that I want financially... Um, because you know, being commercial is not my thing with music, but it's other people's thing.
0: So, right on. Now, one of the one of the concerns with technology is always there's unexpected outcomes, uh, and mm. and I think you mentioned this to me when we were when we were, when we met the first time. Um, that now that you've created a voice sample, or let's say a, a, a digital twin of your voice, that you can no longer use voice authentication uh, as a security mm. measure, right? So you've <laughs> you've given up that ability because now your voice. Well, is, I mean, everyone's, on the web. everyone, everyone.
1: You could do it already. You don't even need, like, anyone could literally make a model of a voice. It's not, people, everyone can do it now. It's just, it's not like, it's not, if you're not a coder or you're not like a, you know, super, super geeky person. But it is, anyone could do that now. If they wanted to, they could impersonate the president, you know. Um, It's possible right now.
0: Anyone would do it. Well, that's so, yeah, true, I with, with deep fakes. In a way, that's what, that's what that Drake um, and The Weekend yeah. piece was about. And those yeah. artists didn't have anything to do with that song, although yeah. it was a pretty good song. Um, <laughs> kind of an unexpected yeah. outcome. Or you wake up one day and it's like, oh, wow, someone's just made a new hit using my material. and using yeah. my voice. <laughs> yeah, Unless and it's great awesome. right?
1: I mean, hopefully they would get some revenue, one would hope. Maybe they even orchestrated it, who knows? Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, but that's just like... It's going to happen, but then there'll be like biometric kind of, you know, or eye scanning, you know, or whatever it will be, something else, you know. Um, There'll be some other kind of factor. Of authentic, authentic what else PS. gets you
0: excited about the future? What gets you excited about the future performance in a live event? What would make it what's something crazy you'd love to try?
1: Um, Everything is really about flow for me. So whatever can increase the flow between what the audience are feeling, what I can conjure, the access to a variety of sounds um, and effects and uh, the kind of tools that I can literally, in the moment, reach to without actually, you know, putting my head in front of a computer, mm-hmm. um, and having this conversation, this flow with the audience. You know, if there's a time in the future where you know, uh, I, I mean we've already I've already tried it with like, you know, heartbeats and like the kind of the general heartbeat of the of the river at the time you know starts a track or um people shout out and they say oh i've got a melody and then they start a melody uh, and then somebody else says a style and I'm like okay and then we start a piece of music so yeah just like more of the same really just just more of the same like even i'd love to conjure images i mean i've been thinking about a visual system um which mojen would kind of interface again so you'd have all these different inputs um accessing things you know amazing plethora of like again river of photography photog- or imagery, um, that ultimately would be each one would be a service and you'd have permission to use it live and you'd pay the people in the moment. Um, but equally you could like stream photographs uh, from your fans uh, if they give you permission. So that you could show their images and you could kind of morph them into your images and it could kind of create personal stories for people. Um, so they kind of see a little bit of themselves in the in the moment or maybe they'll even have like I don't know augmented AR glasses and they can see their own kind of life that kind of is brought to life by the tags that I've sent the audience depending on the track I don't know that you know that your phone like even if you looked up in your phone and you typed up car um it would probably show your car first because it's in, or, or your child or whatever and then yeah it would become more relevant to you I don't know yeah I'm I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I'm not planning to do any live shows soon because I've got quite a lot going on I want to do first.
2: <laughs> any plans for Imogen to be in the metaverse?
1: Uh yes, um for sure. Um I I would love to take um but yeah, the, the songs that I'm working on at the moment, uh, I want to explore the song as a DAO um, so that everybody who's contributed to the song um, kind of has some kind of authority or uh, an agency over it um, and to open up all of the uh, basically a song like an API that people can reach into and create generative work in the style of that song or in a gaming environment or um, I mean loads of things I'd love to do um, I really really again it's just all about flow like how can we create that flow like we have in the physical world we can go from this shop to this shop with our body but how can we go from this place to this place in the metaverse and kind of explore content and be inspired and, you
2: know, kind of learn. And do live and performance. Chat. Yeah, and do live performance. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had That's a great That's already time.
0: happening, right? In Fortnite, you're getting uh, you're getting artists who are oh. capturing 30 million people. It's astounding right? for 20 million. Huge.
1: 100%. I mean, Wave XR, I think they were the, they were the people that did the Marshmallow first um, show, yeah. um, and it was incredible. I did, a, like, a very small thing with them where I performed four songs, and they captured it uh, in a point cloud, um, and then they made me, like, this huge creature and then this tiny thing, and it, we based it around the house that I grew up in, um, and you can hear these... Well, actually, they've taken it down now, but it was really amazing. And there was one point when we, we launched it, uh, and I was singing Hide and Seek, And I was there for the launch, so four in the morning, because it was like whatever time it was in Austin um, and they launched it and then I went into one of the rooms so it's like 10 people in a room but it's like hundreds of rooms same uh, watching the performance and somebody came up to me and was like are you you're not Imogen Heap are you and I'm like <laughs> yes I am because <laughs> I had Imogen you know above my cat's head Um and they were like wow this is really trippy because you're there as well like I could see you performing but you're here I'm like no it's weird isn't it anyway can we talk after the show because I quite want to see it and they're like yeah yeah sorry I'll speak to you in the lobby And then after the show, um, you know, in this virtual space, came back and chatted to some people. uh, And that was like six years ago. And it just got me so excited that, I felt connected to my fans, uh, even just being in my living room, but fully like interacting and feeling their energy by the way they're moving, and oh, I just got so excited. Um, okay, so imagine you of the money, I would do so many things.
0: So imagine you've you've performed in the metaverse, you've created an AI avatar of yourself, uh, you've done all sorts of innovative things. Give us a forecast to end the show. Give us a vision of where music will be in ten or twenty years. What do you think that experience will be like?
2: Hmm.
1: I really hope that, um, I feel like music is kind of stuck right now. Um, we've, we've got so kind of, um, everything's kind of become quite homogenous and it's quite hard to like create new styles. And I feel like I'm excited about the potential of AI and the the kind of the new musicians who are like the, the hackers of the systems to create amazing new things that we could never do humanly because we're so like built in a certain way in our brains that we're going to, we're going to, with AI, create like music that is truly unique and entirely different and an original, maybe, you know, it's, hard, it's so impossible to be, hard to be original. I think I've only ever managed it like maybe half with hide and seek. Um, and it's such an amazing feeling to like have done something that feels kind of unique. Um, and if technology can help us kind of get out of our boxes um, and create really inspiring in the moment, kind of, so you can kind of literally capture things that are going on in the moment, create music very, very quickly very well-produced music um, and create discourse around that piece of music by the song being a service that so you can actually have like communions or kind of communities like engaging with the song itself rather than like going over here to Twitter or going over here. They come in, they can go wherever they like, but ultimately the, the conversation is held and kind of like um, is bubbling around itself. Uh, mm. So that you could literally go to the nerve center and see all
0: these conversations around a song. So, in a um, previous conversation, you had said something like uh, you were vision. Your vision was hyper personalization down to like the single fan. But now you're talking about music in the future as a way to kind of galvanize a whole conversation and engage a group of people. Which of well, those gets think, you more excited?
1: Hmm. I guess I like extremes, don't I? Um, <laughs> I really love yeah the one-to-one conversation. Um, and the the knowledge uh, of someone else and learning something from them, um, or being able to you know help each other in some way emotionally get through something. Um, but on the other hand, like the the energy and the reach of a piece of art, um, and giving the art the chance to have a space for itself um, that is belonging to itself that doesn't belong on a platform over here where you have to like write in this little way but just kind of like I don't know I think there's something about that somehow like it's a like it's a world of its own and maybe through I don't know kind of reversing the way the industry is right now where it's like it's kind of like Excel spreadsheets of services listening to music and it's all just a bit like water um, but maybe we can really get excited about beautiful pieces again and kind of celebrate them and come together around them and have discourse around them um, because it feels like we don't really do that anymore um, we do around technology but even then where do we go to talk about it um,
0: so yeah right on. right on well thank you very very much for joining us this week on the futurists Imogen Heap Grammy award winning musician technologist artist it was such a great time to talk to you thank you very kindly for joining us here
2: thank you very much
0: We enjoyed it a lot. And um, uh, thank you, Katie, for coming along and joining us as co host this week. And thanks to the team at Provoke Media that make the show possible, including our engineer, Kevin Hershon, who's going to make us all sound great. I guarantee you that, Imogen, (laughs) and the rest of the crew. Um, And thanks to the fans, the people who listen to the show and who share it with each other, uh, who turn other people onto the show. That's really very helpful. And as we've been discussing throughout this episode, that level of fan engagement is really what makes this kind of performance and this kind of communication possible. So we really, really appreciate it. Keep listening, keep checking us out. And we'll be back next week with another futurist. So we will see you in the future.
2: In the future.
0: (laughs) Future. Well, that's it for the futurists this week. If you like the show, we sure hope you did. Please subscribe and share it with the people in your community. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review that really helps other people find the show. And you can ping us anytime on Instagram and Twitter at, at Futurist Podcast for the folks that you'd like to see on the show or the questions that you'd like us to ask. Thanks for joining. And as always, we'll see you in the future.